welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me at rickthomas.net. That is my cyber home. If you have a question for me and our team, I would love for you to go to our website, jump on our forums, and you can ask any question that pertains to life and godliness. We have God's Word, and we would love to be able to bring care to you as we open up the Bible and give you practical help for whatever it is you may be going through. Thank you for all of those who come to our forum. We have hundreds upon hundreds of people that come to us Every year on our forums, they're asking all kinds of questions. They're going through difficult times, and they're looking for help, and that is what we do. We can't solve problems. We can't make problems go away, but we can walk beside you, and we can offer biblical advice. And I'm so appreciative of those of you who take advantage of this means of grace, and there are many more. And in fact, there are many that do not know anything about us, and I would encourage you to share our ministry with other people. One of the ways that you can do that is by taking an article that you have read, something that God has used to work in your heart to illuminate your mind, and share that article with another person. You could spread our ministry around that way, and that would be fantastic, and maybe your friends would make it to our forums with their unique questions, and it would be a joy to serve them that way. This is episode number 137. The title of the episode is, Being Pastoral Can Be Better Than Being Theological. Being Pastoral Can Be Better Than Being Theological. If you want to read the show notes to this uh, podcast, you're welcome to do that. Look for episode number 137 under our Life Under Co- uh, Life Over Coffee series. There are times when it's wise to withhold the truth from individuals because what they need more is redemptive care. Now, this thought is not unbiblical. As Jesus, our leader, withheld the truth from some people that he loved. And that's why I say, that's why I titled the podcast this way, being pastoral sometimes can be in conflict with being theological. Sometimes we can be so bent on the truth that we can hurt people with the truth. And sometimes it is wise to withhold the truth from people because it's not the time You want to be pastoral, and we want to make sure that we understand the difference. I had a conversation with someone recently, a longtime friend, and we were talking about this idea as it pertained specifically to the biblical counseling community, that sometimes we can be so centered on truth that we can hurt people with the truth that we are conveying. We're not wise in how we steward our truth. Now, this should not be a radical idea, and I hope as I go through this podcast that it will help you. Let me give you a few verses of where the Bible talks about this idea of either withholding the truth or being careless with the truth. In John 16, 12, Jesus said this to his friends. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Every parent knows this. Every parent has come to that place with 
their children, where there are many things that they want to share with their children, but their children aren't able to understand it. I remember when my children first began to read, and they would uh, look at the speedometer on our car as we're driving. They're sitting in the back seat, and they say, Dad, the sign says 45 miles per hour, or the sign says 55 miles per hour, and I'm driving 56 or 58. I could as well be driving 53 or 51. But in most of those cases, I was not adhering to the exact letter of the law. But I could not explain to them at that early age ideas about the conscience and the spirit of the law and the motive of the heart or even those opportunities or those situations to where you would have to speed like if you were taking your wife to the hospital because she's about to give birth, or if you're running from someone who is trying to do harm to you. But there are a lot of things that I could not share with my children about this idea of driving not exactly the speed limit because they were not mature enough to understand those things. And I was waiting for the day to when I could walk them through more carefully as their categories begin to grow and their understanding begin to mature and we could talk at a deeper level. And so every parent knows this, and that's a simple illustration, but there are many things that you would like to say to your children. This is what Jesus was saying here. There's still many things I would like to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Now, the implication is clear. He withheld the truth from people. In John 2.24, it says, Jesus, on his part, did not trust himself to them. The them in this verse in 2.24 of John are the Pharisees. Jesus did not entrust himself to the Pharisees, and it says, because he knew all people. What The context of what it's talking about here is that the Pharisees were asking questions, trying to trick him as they normally do, or trying to get him in trouble etc. They didn't have Jesus' best interest at heart, to say the least. And Jesus knew all people. And so he would not tell them. What he was talking about in that passage is about the temple. He said, you, you destroy this temple, in three days I would raise it up. Now, they didn't understand what he was talking about, but he would not reveal to them what he was talking about in the most theological, technical way. And that's why John said in 2.24, Jesus on his part, he didn't entrust himself to them. There is sometimes when you need to withhold the truth because it's just not wise to speak the truth to people who don't have your best interest at heart. You need to be careful. And so there's John 16, 12, where they couldn't bear the truth. There's John 2, 24, where the people were evil and, and Jesus didn't let them in to the inner circle of of his companions to where he communicated more truth to them. And then in Proverbs 18, 2, here's the opposite of, of what I'm talking about. In Proverbs 18, 2, it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Now what we have is a person who just wants to talk all the time and, and takes no pleasure in discerning the situation, using wisdom, having understanding, revealing his entire mind without carefully considering the situation or the individuals involved. It would be much better for him to act like Jesus, where he put a governor on the truth, that he toned the truth down and withheld the truth because he has understanding as Jesus did, and that's why he was careful. He, Jesus was incremental in leading people to the truth. 
Now, yes, Jesus did say hard things to people. And so what I'm saying, what I'm not saying is that you should never say anything difficult to anyone. That that would be an extreme position to take that you could not take, because if you took that position, you would never speak the truth to anyone. And so Jesus did say hard things to people, but that's not the point of this podcast. That's another podcast. There's That's a, another way of thinking about communicating the truth. The point of this podcast is about being caring to people and about being redemptive in their lives and in the context of the podcast of withholding the truth because that's the most caring thing that you can do. And it's why I titled the podcast, Being Pastoral Can Be Better Than Being Theological. And so Jesus did say hard things to people, but it was calculated. It was calculated, and it was also in situations where he could not avoid the hard thing, where he had to say the hard thing. So I'm not saying you shouldn't say hard things. But I am saying that how and why you say the difficult truth, it needs consideration. Now, here's a time where Jesus said a very hard thing in Mark 8, verses 31 and 32. Here's the text. It says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. It is interesting, in light of the other verse that I read in John 2, 24, he would not say this to the Pharisees, but he did say this to his close friends. And he said and he said this plainly. And then in verse 32, it says, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And so what we have in this situation is Jesus didn't refrain from telling the hard thing. Now, the truth is, is that Jesus was at a place to where he had to reveal the secret handshake this messianic secret that has been underwriting the entire gospel narrative up to this point, he had to have the big reveal because he was about to die. And so Jesus was in a place where he had to tell the whole truth. And even at that point, they had a hard time with it. As we see here, uh, Peter began to rebuke the Lord, and you know how that went down with Peter it says sometimes you are in a spot where you have to communicate the truth. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't avoid it, but we want to be careful with how we com- communicate it. Being pastoral is important, even more so than being theological at times. I'm not saying we should be untheological. We should never be untheological. But I, what I'm saying, and I hope you understand the context of what I'm talking about here, speaking our entire mind, telling everything that we know about a situation. Let me give you eight real-life illustrations of what I'm talking about, and I hope this will give you a little bit of clarity. One of those illustrations is the what I call the ready-fire-aim method of communication. James would say it a different way, being quick to speak and slow to listen. James wants us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I call it ready, fire, aim. We see this in social media all the time. Now, one of the things that I appreciate about our social media platform, specifically Facebook, is that our people have learned, our commu- that community has learned over the years that uh, that kind of communication is not tolerated on our own Facebook that I don't allow people to just speak their entire mind in harsh and critical ways. We have a platform to talk about 
things that you disagree with. That's what our forums are for. So we never turn anyone away. We allow people to speak their mind. But social media, as many, many of you are aware, it can be an awful place where people just make statements and just say all kinds of things without thinking carefully. I call it ready, fire, aim. Social media should be a place where people are withholding the truth, withholding. They may be accurate in their theology, but they're not pastoral in their care. They're not shepherding people. And so one of those real-life illustrations, I call it the ready-fire-aim method. Another one, number two, is withholding the truth about sex from your children. Every wise parent withholds the truth because you want to be pastoral. You want to be shepherding. You want to be caring for your children. I know I have, I've had a couple friends through the years say, well, it's the truth. We just want to communicate the truth. I'm just telling the truth. Well, yeah, you are telling the truth. You could say that and in the most technical sense you are, but it's not being caring. A parent would not be caring if they introduced this idea of sex to their children too soon. So there's the ready, fire, aim method, a real-life illustration. There's withholding the truth about sex from your children until it's appropriate to communicate more truth when they can bear it, as Jesus talked about in John 16. Number three, withholding your innermost struggles from specific people. It's not wise to share everything about your soul to every person that you meet. Number four is sharing your Christian liberty with those who do not have your liberty. We see this in 1 Corinthians 8 with the Jewish people who became Christians and they struggled with with the Christians who were eating meat that was offered to idols. And Paul talked about having knowledge. You have knowledge and we know that there are no gods, no such gods, but we want to make sure that love builds up. Truth can tear down. And that is exactly what I'm talking about in this in this podcast. So number four, sharing your Christian liberty with those who do not have your liberty. Number five, being theologically correct before it's time to share this depth of truth. And I've illustrated this a few times already. I'm not opposed to being theologically correct, but I am making a case that we be kind and wise in how we communicate these deeper theological truths, these things that God has taught me about the Bible, and they need to know these things right now. Well, maybe let's be wise. Number six, mapping your experience over what you're hearing and then jumping an individual because you're reacting to your experience rather than understanding what was actually said. Now, I experience this all the time as well. I'll make a statement in the social media sphere, the social media space, and people will jump me because of what I said, and they're reading it through their interpretive grid, and they misunderstand. And of course, Unfortunately, tied to number one here, the ready, fire, aim, rather than asking a question for clarification, they, they make statements because they're filtering it through, and th- through their experience, and they have had a harsh experience. And I understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, and their experience has been so painful that when they hear certain buzzwords, that they only have one interpretation for that. And, and so they map their experience over what they are hearing, number six. Number seven jumping on someone for using medication. I've seen this many times where a person says, I'm on medication. Oh, you know, the medication's evil. Psychology, the psychological world is evil. 
You should never go to a psychiatrist. Medication is, is going to cause all kinds of problems. Well, I mean, there may be some truth interwoven in all of those statements. But sometimes it's better to be pastoral than trying to be so anal, anal with your theology. Now, tied to that, number eight, this is my eighth real-life illustration, is pinging a person. A nice way of saying jumping on a person. But pinging a person for not using the right language, OCD, ADD. ADHD, and whatever other acronym that you have. Oh, we want to be theologically correct, but we don't want to play whack-a-mole, where when the, the, the mole jumps up that you know at those carnivals and other places where you go where the mole jumps up and you're standing there with a mallet, and as soon as it sticks its plastic head out of the ground, you hit it on the head, and, and you're, you play the entire game, beating as many moles as you possibly can into the ground, them into the ground, and the more you pound into the ground, you may win a stuffed animal. You may win a stuffed. <laughs> you may win a stuffed mole for beating the devil out of those plastic moles. Sometimes we can ping people for not using the right language without understanding them. Real life illustrations: one is ready, fire, aim; two, withholding truth about sex to your children; three, withholding your innermost struggles from specific people; four, sharing your Christian liberty with those who do not have your liberty; number five, being the theologically correct before it's time to share this depth of truth; six, mapping your experience over what you're hearing and jumping to conclusions; number seven, jumping on someone for using medication, and number eight, pinging a person for not using the right language. Now, let's take a, a closer examination of this idea of withholding the truth. The first question that you have to ask is, is it lying not to tell the truth? Well, first of all, I'm not saying you should lie to people, and so it's not lying. Lying to people is lying to people. But withholding the truth is that lie. Now, when you ask the lying question, you must address your heart. What is the motivation of your heart? Are you trying to be deceptive? Or are you trying to care for a soul? I didn't have the sex talk with my children before it was time. It had nothing to do with deception, I promise you. It had everything to do with caring for their souls. And so the question, if it's lying, you have to ask the heart question. Are you trying to be deceptive or are you trying to do soul care? And there's a huge difference between those two. The second thing that you have to interact with is what is your motive? You withhold truth because of timing. That's one reason you withhold truth. The timing is not right. I talked about that with the sex talk. Jesus withheld truth because it just wasn't time for him to reveal the truth to his closest friends. And as he uh, came to the cross, uh, to his time of death, then the timing was not perfect, obviously, because they had a hard time handling it. But it was right. It was the right time. And so you withhold truth, one, because of timing, Two, because of a person's ability or inability to handle the truth. If a person can't handle your truth, is it wise to share that to them at this time? The meat eater, eaters in 1 Corinthians, 18, 1 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, 
You could just blow them away with all your knowledge, all your theology. You can blow them away, but they can't handle the truth. They are convicted in their conscience, and so sometimes you have to bring people along so you can incrementally reveal more truth to them at the right time. This is a big deal, especially with those of us who who stumble upon the truth or finally get the truth after 25 years of studying God's Word, and then we trot out there immediately, quickly, blaring the truth to everyone, and it can be hurtful if we're not wise. And so is it lying? Well, you have to ask the heart question. Number two, the heart question, not hard question. Number two, what is your motive? You withhold the truth because of timing and a person's ability or inability to handle the truth. Number three, what is your goal? Is your goal about winning an argument or is your goal about soul care? If your soul is if your goal is about winning an argument, then we're talking about debate, and you really don't care a lot about what the other person thinks or where they're coming from or how their shaping influences have affected them. That has nothing to do has very little, if nothing to do with soul care. Your primary objective is to win an argument. And unfortunately, that happens in marriages and other relationships too often where winning and losing is all that matters and soul care doesn't. So what is your goal? To win an argument or to care for a soul? Number four is the idea of stewarding the truth. Stewarding the truth is a wisdom issue. It takes a lot of wisdom to steward God's truth. Knowing when to speak and when to keep quiet is a spirit-illuminated gift. Now, as you listen to this podcast, you think, those are some really good thoughts, Rick, but I want you to know that I have not perfected any of them. The things that I'm sharing with you are not things that I've perfected. These are things that I am working on. I am aware of them, and I am working with them, and I find myself maybe at the intersection of, of this tension more than most of you who are listening to this podcast because I am every day I am confronted with a situation to where I, I need to know, do I, I speak the truth, withhold the truth? How do I care for the person's soul? You know, what is my motive for talking to this person? What's going on here? That is a daily occurrence. That's almost an hourly occurrence in my life. And so I have more of a historical window of, of where I've had these opportunities. And of course, I probably have had more failures than you have because of all the opportunities that I've had to try to perfect this, and I'm not there yet. And so as we take a closer examination, I have five points here. First, is it lying? Ask the heart question. Number two, what is your motive? What are you trying to accomplish? Is it the timing? Is it time to tell the truth? Does the person have the ability to handle the truth? What is your motivation? You may want to withhold the truth. Your motivation may be to withhold the truth because that is how you would love them well. Number three, what is your goal? To win the argument or care for the soul. Number four, stewarding the truth. Knowing when to speak and when to keep quiet is a spirit-illuminated gift. And number five, you have to find your starting point with everyone that you're talking to. Seek to understand the person you're talking to so you know the right starting point. The heart of the gospel is going to where they are and starting there. Too often we can make the mistake of expecting people to be where we are. 
you be where I am, and this is where we're going to start. Well, that's not how it works, and that's not what God did for you. Jesus Christ became a man. He didn't stand in heaven and in the Trinity and blare out across planet Earth and saying, you all come here to me. No, he came to where we were in our brokenness, our depravity, in our inability, and he took on flesh and became like us. He came to our starting point, not his starting point. And so you want to find your starting point with an individual. The heart of the gospel is going to where they are and starting there. It might not be desirable. It might not be where you want to begin, but it's the wisest thing to do. Now, I want to finish this podcast by talking about something that I have seen so often within Christianity, specifically within biblical counseling, and it's the danger of imitation. When we see and hear people, especially in the public arena, uh, we can be easily tempted or we can be strongly desiring to imitate what we are hearing within the public arena. Now, let me move into this by talking about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote in a weighty and a strong way. That's what 2 Corinthians 10.10 says. His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Paul wrote boldly in the public domain, but yet Paul, when you get to know him, like Uh, the Ephesian elders when he was talking about how he, in the space of three years, that he was with them and with many tears. And when Paul is with people, he is a very compassionate man. But if you only knew Paul from the public arena, you would think Paul was weighty and strong, and, and you can begin to imitate him. Luther was a unique historical figure like that as well. And what we know of Luther was that he was harsh, he was brash, he was even crude at times. Not a person that you want to imitate in the counseling office, but he was a unique historical figure that God raised up to do a unique thing. And Paul was one of those unique historical figures as well. And in the biblical counseling movement, there was a unique historical figure who is named Jay Adams. And what Jay has given or what God has given us through Jay Adams is none of us can fully comprehend. He was a unique historical figure. And for those of many of us who have heard him, especially in his heyday, his public presence was was strong and powerful and black and white and directive and decisive and clear, bold. If I didn't say bold already, I got lost in all my descriptors. And if you only knew Jay from a public persona, you could easily think that, well, that's the way that I want to be in a private space. It has been easy for some people to confuse a person's public demeanor with their private conversational style. Now, I've had the opportunity to have lunch with Jay, and having lunch with him, I I know him as being gracious, kind, compassionate, winsome, humorous, generous. He's all of those things when you're sitting across the table from him, and I've heard him in the public space as well. He is strong and definitive. And we want to be careful that when we listen to a person in the public space, that we don't imitate that in the counseling office. And unfortunately, that style has been imitated 
too often within the counseling discipleship realm that we're not compassionate, we're not patient. And when we're not those things, then we are not what Jay taught us in his books because he talked about these things repeatedly. But unfortunately, many people have imitated him or they're just naturally brash and harsh and impatient people. I'm not, I'm not laying any of this in Jay's lap. He is a unique historical figure that God raised up to help the church job done. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we steward the things that he has taught us, that we're more careful in the counseling discipleship context, that we're kind, we're gracious and compassionate. The word NANC, National Association of Nuthetic Counselors, in this part of the country is a verb. It means you nank somebody. I was glad to hear many years ago that nank began to redefine themselves as ACBC. They began to distance themselves from this harshness that is so in, in so many areas with people who do so care in unkind and harsh ways. And whether you're doing discipleship, whether you're doing biblical counseling, whether you are a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, or a child, we want to make sure that we are carefully stewarding God's truth and we are stewarding the souls that we are speaking this truth to. There is no place in Christianity for harshness and unkindness. Sometimes, episode number 137, being pastoral can be better than being theological. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.